0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Better Me, Better Us. My name is Vicky. Hi, everyone. My name is Hayley Muir. And today in this fourth episode, we will be talking about all things related to changes. Hayley, what is your experience of change?
1: Well, um, good, bad and ugly change and everything in between. But at at the moment, I guess if I'm thinking about change, um, I'm really thinking about Well, it's been uh, the meteorological start of um, autumn. So we've got a change of seasons. The kids are all back to school. Yay! (laughs) So that's a change. Uh, Although mine doesn't go back till next week, but definitely a change. Um, And change is managed differently in our house. We have different people that manage change in different ways. Um, And my experience, I was just saying to you before we started, my experience of change is changed <laughs> over the years um when i think back to when i was younger and perhaps less confident in myself um if i knew something big was coming up i had to prepare do lots and lots of prep for that um including writing the lists and so on and so forth now i really embrace change it's probably because i'm getting old and quite a boring life <laughs> so change brings a little bit of excitement into my life again but I really embrace it. I love it. I find it exciting. Um, But I know that's not everybody's
0: experience. What about you? Well, I suppose even just listening to you say that my experience and how I interact with change has definitely changed as a child. I think I mentioned this before. I was a very anxious individual. So hated change because that brought an extra level of anxiety with it. Um, Yeah, and I think it was probably early 20s or 18 and coming to Newcastle and responding to changes where I was living and the people I was around, starting university, then getting sort of first jobs and things, have learned to manage change a lot better. Um, And I suppose how I respond to change, whether it's planned or unplanned, doesn't create the same level of anxiety in me as it once did. Mm. But definitely thinking of what you were saying about back to school, there will be a lot of um, children, young people and parents this week that that transition, whether it's into the next year at school, that's a change of new teachers, new people, new classrooms, or whether it's a complete change and it's a step up to high school or a step up to college change is I was gonna say scary and that's probably my my feelings in there but change yeah brings a whole host of feelings and I suppose whether it's as an adult a parent or as an individual in general we need to accept how people feel about change and not tell them they're being silly or minimize how they're experiencing it and just yeah really allow them to feel what they need to feel
1: yeah and it's interesting you're saying feelings because When I was thinking about change, I thought about what does that mean? And I find change exciting. Um, It can be scary sometimes, a little bit, you know, pushes you out of your comfort zone, which is scary at the time. But for me, I always love that because I think that brings the best learning for me. I always find change is hopeful. And again, I probably overanalyze myself, but I will think about change as a new start where can,
0: where can I do things differently from here? If I was then noticing what you've said there, Haley, change for you is hopeful. Does that mean that all of the changes you've experienced have been positive then if it comes with a level of hope connected to it? Interesting. Um, I think some of
1: my changes, most of my changes have been positive, which is probably why I do have that lens. So, so good to pick up on that. I think I've always said this. I'm a lucky person. I see myself as a lucky person. So I think even when change has been difficult, not something that I initially wanted, what's come out of it afterwards, I'm able to see that that was a good
0: event. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because seeing the positive and having those positive experiences connected to change made me think about so often how we manage change is based on us as an individual and the skill set we have to manage that change and our environment and the relationships that we have Mm -hmm. in the environment and the people around us Um, and I know we've talked about a lot Well, not a lot, but we have to reference previous jobs and how changes were constantly happening, whether that was in terms of management, funding, the unknowns of change. Is it going to happen? Are we going to have jobs and changes of systems, ways of working? And actually, initially. For me, those changes were really difficult and um, elicited anxiety because I didn't have on reflection, confidence in the people around me to support me through that change and managing that change. However, now if things change, I feel I've got the skills and experience and the relationships with the core people around me that I would be able to manage those change very differently without that same level of anxiety.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about the feeling safe and secure, mm-hmm. helps you to manage change, even if it's not something necessarily that you first thought that you would want Mm -hmm. but if you have people around you that maybe you feel confident with you know they've got the back that you your back they know what they're doing they model even if they don't know what's going to happen in this change they actually model with you to you how they're going to manage this and navigate yeah and i guess if we link that back to children who are experiencing some of those changes There will be a great deal of excitement this week. There'll be a great deal of anxiety. And as a parent or a carer, and we've always talked about where we're all functioning in a really, really busy world, we've got to take time out to be able to model, like you said before, to those children how to manage, not to try to minimize it. I know Hearing our kids say, well, you know, it it feels like another thing onto the busy day. But actually, if we just slow down, acknowledge what that child's experiencing and also model how you are dealing with changes, it gives them a
0: good example. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And as you were speaking, then the word that kept coming to mind was regulated. Yeah. As an individual, how we deliver a message of change, we need to come at it from a regulated place. Again, thinking of previous workplaces, but I'm sure it happens at school and in families and everything. If we deliver a change and we're very much, oh, I don't want this to happen and it's not my fault and don't blame me, don't get mad at me. Again, how you present in that change will influence how that person receives that information and whether they go into panic about the change that's going to happen, depending on how we have delivered that information. Mm -hmm. And that's just made me think about in the news at the moment, how some schools aren't going back because of this concrete situation, how that has been communicated and delivered to families, parents, children will absolutely of influence how they process and respond to that unplanned change because everybody was heading towards going back to school this week and suddenly that might have changed for some people. And actually it might have changed within families. One sibling might be returning to school and one might not. And how we manage change that impacts people differently.
1: Yeah. And I've seen lots of different parents respond in different ways to that whole, what is it called, rack, the, the, the building equipment um, and I think one of the things that stood out for me, because some parents, rightly so, were quite agitated by it. Not only was the child not at school, but they also had to take time off work. You know, there's there can be financial implications if you've got children at home uh, who need meals, you know, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But there were some parents who seemed quite calm mm-hmm. about it. Well, it is what it is. And that made me wonder, what was the difference about how they understood or got communicated with about that change because we've talked about change you know and again i'm saying that word we've we've got certain words that we're trying to avoid we're going to have to play bingo aren't we <laughs> um i've been with an organisation in my history that went through a big change huge changes and the way that people responded to that was very different obviously that is based um partly on who they innately are but also uh, it also depended on who was included mm. who knew what was going to happen who had an idea of what the future looked like those people seemed to deal with it better but if people didn't understand what that change was going to look like or it was sudden and there was no planning and everybody was panicking after it so there was none of that modeling that put some people into a really difficult space so difficult that quite a few people left that that workplace because they just felt broken by that change because it just wasn't managed well. So there's something about inclusion, whether that's in the workplace or at home, and doing some planning, some safety planning, for want of a better word, around changes that you perceive or others in your family or network perceive as potentially going to be difficult.
0: And I think, because we're all human and life happens and there will throughout the course of life be lots of changes, whether planned or unplanned, like you've referenced there, Haley, they're all opportunities for learning and growth. So, yes, as a family, as a school, as a as a team, you might have to respond to an unplanned team take stock afterwards, mm-hmm. reflect, review. How did that feel? What worked well? What would we do differently next time? How can we have these open uh, lines of communication to learn from these experiences rather than it being very... um I can't think of the word I'm thinking of but very close and that happened then that's that event it's done it's dusted let's move on because yeah. actually it's all continual and it's all an opportunity for learning and growth yeah. and by removing people from that opportunity we're taking away an opportunity to learn new skills yeah. and to grow it's a very sort of fixed mindset isn't it
1: yeah 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 and and I know you know, one as a parent and two is the the work that I've done. Sometimes as a carer or a parent, we avoid situations because they feel like one, they might be difficult um, to broach with your child or young person. And two, you almost just don't want to admit that this change is going to happen with your child. So that might be them, you know, gradually getting older, maybe getting their first boyfriend. Um, going out with friends and hanging around the park and you having the memory of what you did when you used to hang around the park with your friends. Maybe that was drinking cider back in my days. Um, You know, so there's that whole risk taking element as well of change that comes with our children as they develop. Um, And we have to do the safety planning there as well and, and include and have conversations. You know, these changes are going to come up involving children in those conversations about what might be helpful, what might not be helpful, what experience have we got in the past? So like you said, linking those change experiences and other life experiences to notice, what do we do well as a family? What do we need to work on a little bit more? How can I support you? Um, Is there anybody else? Because again, when we talk about risk-taking behavior, um, sometimes kids don't want to talk to you. They are experiencing changes that perhaps they don't want to share with their nearest and dearest. So they possibly want to involve somebody else in your network. Um, You know, I, I think about me, it was an auntie for me. You know, we, we often have people that help us navigate
0: change that we feel safe with because they're close, but not too close. Yeah, and what I was thinking then in terms of because you're referencing teenagers, change in terms of identity. Mm. Lots of young people are going through the identity formation and who they see themselves being or how they identify might keep changing and evolving And it's important that those around them accept and embrace rather than challenge and question. Well, you were someone different last week or you dress like this, then what's why? And it's really accepting absolutely being curious to understand the changes and, oh, help me understand that's a bit different or what brought that on, but not judging or shaming or being critical in the process of that change. And all of these changes that we're talking about, are difficult enough and if we think um we're on the anf podcast if we think about lots of our um care experienced children and young people they go through so many unplanned changes in their in their lifetime whether that be from coming into care changes of social workers repeatedly unfortunately and yes sometimes that can't be helped but lots and lots of change changed foster placements, changed processes, Mm -hmm. changed language. I know we've spoken about this before, even just the change um, now of people using the phrase um, family time. I know some of the young people I work with don't like it being referred to as that and still want to refer to it as contact. So Yes, change can be happening in systems, but we need to remember how it impacts those individuals within those systems. And think about, like we've already said today, how important the relationships are for managing that change.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we're talking about all of these, you know, changes and and children and young people. we've worked with like you rightly say sometimes have experienced a horrendous amount of changes i mean if i think i had quite a few homes when i was a kid that was because my dad was in the forces so i had six seven eight about eight or nine homes as a child and you had one um but they would be i I was always with my mum and dad and my brother because we were in the forces although i went to boarding school you know, my family was at the home. Some of the children and young people I've worked with have had the same amount of homes. have had double the amount of homes that I had. None of theirs were choice. Uh, it's been forced upon them for whatever reasons. Plus, like you said, then the different um, carers, the changes in rules and routines and expectations in those different homes. Um and I'm really curious because what we often see, so we talk about this, oh, well, they've got lots of changes. Well, how does that manifest itself? How does that actually show? And well, it often will demonstrate itself in behavior. And we've always talked about behavior is communication. The certain behaviors sometimes make it very difficult for the people that love and care for you to get close to you and know how best to support you because it's you're almost pushing them away. And it links back to that relationship um i will test you if i'm a young person and i've had 18 carers and you may be the next one and you may have all the best will in the world and you may be absolutely gorgeous to me i'm going to push every button that you've got and i'm going to push it again and again and again because my experience of life is you're going to give up on me soon i'll come home from school or maybe even better somebody will come to school and tell me i'm not going home tonight so it'll show itself in that's behaviour now how as an adult do we get to the stage that we're able to manage that? Because that is difficult. And I have always said as a social worker, to anybody that fosters, I salute you. I go home on a nighttime, you're 24-7, 365 days a year, and you're managing the uh, the output of all of those changes that we've talked about. And you're amazing. And we need to be able to work together as a society to support those carers to be the best carers that they are and we need to see more investment
0: in supporting them and I was just pausing to think then because there's something about how we support foster carers parents without going into the blaming and shaming because I think sometimes when changes happen for children and young people we blame people well it's your behavior that's resulted in this or it's the foster carer's lack of skill set in that area or whatever, rather than just supporting people through it, we have to find someone to place that responsibility with. And I, I understand that to a certain extent, but absolutely, again, that changes how people experience change and how open they are to change. Because if it feels unsafe, then we're not going to want to engage with it at all Mm -hmm. in terms of whether it be a new social worker, new teacher, new whoever, we're going to push back because actually change for me is unsafe. Where if we link it back to how we started this and you saying change for you is a positive and me saying my experience has changed and how I um, relate to change, it's because there's always been those Core key relationships and it's felt safe because our, I suppose, if we think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, our basic needs have always been met through those changes in terms of safe love, financial, having shelter, etc. And if we think of some of our care experienced young people, those basic needs are threatened whilst they're experiencing that change. They don't know where they will be sleeping tonight. Who We'll be picking them up from school, all of those really key, important things. And this is one of the reasons that we're so
1: passionate in working with families, working with agencies, working with schools, because it's about those relationships. Like you just, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's not about us blaming. And we as professionals around these situations do that as well. Well, the social worker didn't give me the plan or the school haven't done this or well, the therapist hasn't seen him for six months now. You know, it's all about these. It's, it's not, it's got nothing to do. It's actually about stability. It's about consistency of messaging. Even if I can't see you on a regular basis, I'm there for you. You know that I am. I'm supportive of your family. I'm working together with your school And that's what we need to have because, again, if these children have experienced lots of change, what they don't need on top of that is change when I go into school compared to change when I come home. They need to feel secure all day. Um, And this is why it's so important for schools to be trauma informed, have that lens, both with the children that they're working with, plus the parents that they're working with, and also themselves, um, because what we want to do is reduce the cycle of change. And in order for us to do that, we need to build that security and let kids know it's okay. No matter what happens, we're going to be here and we've got your back. So change is such a, you know, just that one word's taking us off into so many different areas as well. And we've actually um, mentioned just before we we started recording this, we were also talking about the changes that sometimes as children we feel we have no control over. So lots of those that we've already talked about, but things like new babies in a family, new family members, you know, your uncle might get married and there's a new auntie that somebody comes, suddenly comes into your house. We were talking about, um, I was almost six before my brother was born. My God, I still remember when he arrived. (laughs) I was not happy, Vicky. Suddenly there was somebody else that was going to have to get money spent on them at birthdays and Christmas.
0: What about me? <laughs> absolutely and some of those are very much natural changes aren't they to manage and i guess like we've already mentioned it's an opportunity for conversations for really having some meaningful conversations with your children and child about the feelings that they're having when these changes happening all of it is an opportunity for learning and growth and i think yeah by ignoring that or just telling Not even children, is it? People when change when people are experiencing change. If we expect them to just shut up and put up, we're removing opportunity for absolutely for learning and just really developing relationships. And like we keep referencing relationships that are at the heart of absolutely everything. And one thing I asked you as well before we started was: Does change mean loss, (laughs) or or are we gaining something in that process? And I think it is so individual and the same situations for people might see be seen as a loss for one person and for another it might be oh this is fantastic I'm gaining this or I'm getting to do this sort of thing um and it makes me think of therapy in terms of my field and change can mean an ending and for lots of the children and young people that I work with therapy has been their safe place and whilst on one level the ending is a real positive and it's an opportunity to celebrate their progress and um, all the learning that's happened for them. It's a, it's a loss because they're losing that relationship as it was. And it might look different and they might still touch base every now and again, but it's going to look differently. And actually sometimes when it's a, a plan change and we're heading towards a closure date, they can try and some children and young people can try and take control and try and, stop that change happening, stop that ending. And so again, it's about having those conversations and really speaking about how does it make you feel? Not doing to them and saying, well, it's still happening regardless of whether you like it or not. It's involving them in that. And let's talk it through and really work together. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you said, it's about planning and
1: involvement, isn't it? Um, we used to say you know, sort of mindset as a social worker. My first day of entry is the first day I'm considering my exit, because as my social work ethics, I should tread as lightly in a family's life as I possibly can. But you're right; for some families, that's really difficult because you've sometimes been working with them through a really important period of their life, and you know, due to lots of other experiences, you've become quite important, you know, member of their their network. And, and it's difficult for them sometimes, you know, and I always laugh because sometimes I used to get told to go away in no uncertain terms when I knocked on the door. But then when we are talking about closure, there was often a, I don't want you to go. Um, and I used to say the Nanny McPhee thing, you know, when you need me, but you don't want me, that's when I'll be here. But when you want me and you don't need me, that's when I'm going to do a hike. And change is difficult, but we have to... It links to our emotional intelligence again, I, I guess, and how secure we feel because that's a good thing. Like you said, you've achieved so much and that's why this change is gonna happen because we're off, you, you've you've got to where you need to. But it's been such an important part of their life that they don't want to let go. Um, and I wonder how we support people to embrace change moving forward.
0: So any, any closing thoughts for you, Vicky? closing thoughts. I think my initial thought is, oh my goodness, we started off just talking about change and how it's linked onto so many different things and how that one word can look so different in different um, circumstances and environments. Um, And I guess the takeaway for me is to not expect us from others in terms of our individual experiences with change. So very much, I would welcome everybody listening to this. Take the time, sit and have a think. What is your experience of change? How who was around you? How was it experienced? Was it positive? Was it negative? Was the learning involved? What would you like? What how would it have been done differently? Or things like that. Um and take that into future situations. Maybe go away and have some conversations with your children. If things are going to change or this is going to happen, how would you like me to communicate that to you? Again, in your teams at work, because things are constantly changing at work, have a conversation with your team. How are we going to include you in in decision making and changes that are likely to happen? How would you like the information communicating? What are you absolutely big no-nos. And it might be, do not communicate any upcoming change with me on a Friday at four o'clock when I'm then left to have process that information on my own over the weekend and probably be sat in panic. Have a think, have some conversations because changes will inevitably happen. So be prepared for them.
1: Yeah, nice. I think just for me as well is information is power. So um, the most difficult changes I've ever had is when I've got a little bit of a tidbit you know oh something's happening and then that's it and then i'm left in in sort of limbo so i think when you when you are communicating change make sure you're really clear make sure the person that is least likely to understand what this means understands so you're taking everybody on that journey slow down think about what needs to happen so we can all be comfortable with this change and take that on board because that will make life easier once that change happens and then you're not dealing with a mop up where people are really struggling um apart from that hope you all have a great day a great evening wherever you are and we look forward to connecting with you soon take care
0: bye, bye.